we pioneered the first breathing NFT. And when I say that, I mean a breathing NFT, it's, it's non-fungible token, just like anything else. It's a non-duplicative asset. But with this asset, it's yield bearing because it can bring an offspring into this world. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where my partner, Joe Favrito and I talk about the business of sports. Joe, what's happening? I'm going to do very little talking with this one, Tom. So <laughs> welcome back. Uh, this is a topic uh, near and dear both to your heart and to your wallet and yes. your innovative side and your curious side. Um, our guest today randomly found me on Twitter and we've had, a, you know, we had a great conversation. And as we were talking, I'm like, wait, I know the guy who's got to be involved in this conversation when we record it. So here we are today. Yeah, so. that's great. I know. Um, Normally, we would spend a few minutes talking about some general stuff, but um, God, there's so much going on. Like, where do we, would we begin to do kind of a little pre-show chat? I would just say this. I'm already tired of all the NIL discussion, personally. Yeah. I don't know about you. Well, I'm going to make some NFTs of my NIL, and then we'll go okay. from there. <laughs> right. Uh, perfect. And uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what kind of value they, they have. And, and by the way, we are, we, um, I, I spoke to... Uh, our colleague and the director of athletics at Wake Forest, John Curry, this morning. Uh, and he's going to come on in a future episode. You know, we're here now the middle of July, early, well, almost middle of July, but uh, later this month to talk and give us the insider's view of where NIL is. And, you know, in a couple of weeks time, you know, by when you hear about this from John's words towards the end of July, I'm sure this will have continued to evolve into something that makes a lot more sense from a business standpoint versus just a buzz standpoint. So John Curry will be a great guest to have on in a couple of weeks. No, I was just kidding. It's a, it's a really fascinating topic and it has been, has been interesting in these last, what is it? It's nine days now. Yeah. Today is July 9th, nine yeah. days. These some amazing stories and deals that have been. Yeah. Shared we'll see. Anyway. Right. Well, we'll see. It might be the. Let's, initial, let's, uh, let's talk about something real. Virtual something, horse race. <laughs> something virtually real. All right. So some of you know that one of the most interesting trends in the sports and entertainment business in the first half of 2021, it's been the emergence of NFTs and digital collectibles and elements of the metaverse that we're all learning about right now. Uh, probably the best example, something we've talked about in the podcast before is NBA Top Shot. Of course, that while it was launched officially last year, it really got popular in Q1. But the other big one that has developed an incredible, I was going to say cult following, but it seems to be more than the cult. We'll talk about that and how it's become more than a cult is a virtual horse racing ecosystem or metaverse called Zed Run. And um, Joe and I have talked about this frequently, mainly because I've actually gotten into it partly to educate myself on these emerging digital media environments. Uh, and also it's because I, I find the emergence of NFTs and digital products, uh, the kind of the evolution of digital products really fascinating. So when Joe told me that he met one of the guys from Virtually Human Studio, which is the company that built Zedron, um, I was, extremely excited about doing this podcast. I, I can picture Tom like the, like the gif of Tom Tom's head exploding, like the end of the, the graphic from the movie Brazil with his head right. just exploding when I mentioned it. So anyway. Right. 
So um, when he told me that, I can tell everybody that I immediately texted my, the co-owners of my stable, which if you're curious, because this is public, publicly available knowledge, it's part of the fun of this, it's called American Royalty. I, I, I texted my co-owners and I said, oh my God, we're going to do a podcast with, with the US guy from Virtual Human Studio. So the guy that I'm talking about is a guy named Roman Tarone. And Roman is, I believe, the only US employee of this fascinating business in Australia called Virtually Human Studio. And they are the, the creators and uh, managers of Zedrun. But I'd like to start, Joe, by letting everybody know, because I find this fascinating, how VHS, as it's called, Virtual Human Studio, actually presents itself to the public. It is an NFT project studio exploring the boundaries of entertainment. They experiment with emerging technologies in gaming, art, sports, and digital collectibles. So there's a lot going on with this business that involves a lot of the things we talk about in the sports business world these days, ranging from uh, this evolving technology, blockchain-based uh, tech, tech uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, the idea of the reinvention of fandom, the idea of gamification. It really is kind of a perfect storm of interesting issues and trends that are wrapped up with the work that VHS is doing. So let us welcome Roman to the show. Uh, we really appreciate you making time for us, Roman. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you. I'm uh... I'm honored to be in the presence of an American American royalty stable owner. Uh, <laughs> as, as I see it here, it's a, it's a serious stable and I'm excited to chat a bit. Um, I'm actually, now that the team is growing so rapidly, I'm one of, one of, a, one of a few American hires now, which is great for, uh, for us holding it down, uh, working the night shift, as we like to put it, uh, with the fellow Australian. So, but so excited to talk Zed and NFTs, man. It's such a fun, fun time to be in the space. Yeah, uh, and, and God, there's a lot to talk about, but I find it interesting that um, you are you were at USC, California. Mm -hmm. yep. You worked in the entertainment business, um, and somehow you found your way to this fascinating new world. So just give us a quick version of that journey, and then we'll get into the discussion about what you're up to with VHS. Yeah, no, it's it's a meandering road for sure. I think a, a lot of people experience the pivot during during COVID. Uh, some for better, some for worse. I think it forced a lot of people to internalize where they wanted to be and what made them happy. So I had left the entertainment business uh, right before COVID without a job lined up, kind of just bet on myself, which was one of the dumbest things I could have done. Um, I, I was, uh, you know, I graduated from USC, worked at CIA, worked there for about three years in sports media, broadcasting, news, entertainment. Um, it was an amazing experience. I worked with a lot of, you know, high profile people, but the pay was unreal low. I was getting paid like minimum wage. So I said, I can't do this anymore, but I know that a lot of the people and talent I'm working with, they have discretionary income and they usually have a side project. And that side project is usually an app idea. So I said, I'm gonna use my connections in the app development world and I'm gonna create an app development company. So I did that during COVID um, as I was unemployed and it began to scale relatively quickly. It was successful. And in order to procure new clients, I, um, I attended a lot of virtual seminars because that's where a lot of the people, and it was a you know fertile delta for people who were starting startups. Um, and then uh, in, in one of those seminars, they were talking about Zed Run. And um, after the, I'd heard about it, 
I was intrigued. I bought a couple horses from somebody on Discord, which is, which is uh, for those who don't know, it's similar to Slack. It's an, for gamers and communities that are connected online. And I, I bought two horses for like, I think it was like $2,000 at that time. My girlfriend was like, what the heck's wrong with you? And uh, I fell in love with it, man. I sold them later for, you know, 5X that. I was, it was ridiculous. I was like, NFTs are going to make me rich, blah, blah, blah. Um, fell in love with the product. Ended up messaging Chris, the founder uh, on Discord saying, listen, I can help you with it from a dev perspective. I have a bunch of devs. I know you guys are scaling. And he said, why don't you come on as a head of partnerships? I see you worked at a couple. It seems like you know your way around. Uh, what do you say you jump on board? And, you know, that was three or four months ago. So the rest is history. Wow. Yeah, that's so he's forgetting the, the job through a Discord message. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, well hey, you know, I just want to point something out, especially for everybody who's listening or will listen. Uh, who are going through transitions or starting jobs. What Roman just described is the 21st century version of hustle and trying to show up in places when you couldn't traditionally show up. So really, congratulations to you for getting to this point. God knows where it's going to go in the future, but you know the chance taking and realizing how you sell yourself is a skill that should not be under underplayed at all, um, especially as you know we talk about things like VHS, which is pretty funny because I think if you would have said VHS two years ago to somebody, Tom, they would have thought of some kind of television transmission, not, not what we're talking about today. Yeah. And the other piece before I shut up and let you guys talk <clears throat> is we are talking about an industry, traditional horse racing, that many thought was dead, mm -hmm. dead, dead, dead. There was no opportunity. But through the vision of VHS, this has really been reinvented into a new opportunity, a new tradition of, a, of something that people could understand easily, which is horse racing, uh, into a business that is continuing to grow. So, Tom, I throw it back to you and I'll talk no, to you. Thank you, you Joe. And you, you make a sure. good point. I mean, I, I think it would be fair to say that you, know, you and I, because of our role at Columbia and, and in the industry, obviously are in touch with lots of young people and we're often in conversations about careers, career developments, career transitions, et cetera. And this may be the first time I've heard of an opportunity arise and close through discord which is a reminder to joe's point roman yep. that uh fortune favors the bold so you had the wherewithal to reach out to chris great move obviously uh but if i'm a young person listening to this and i'm thinking about opportunities it's like hmm there's a, there's another area to consider yeah. uh think about think about ways you might interact with hiring managers, companies that interest you mm -hmm. um, and show uh, show that you're interested and make that initial contact, which is always how it begins, of course. Absolutely. So, okay. So now you got in, when you bought those initial horses, that was early in the Zed game, I suspect. It was 2020. Yeah. So we've had a couple of drops that like, it can help you like visualize the timeline. So we had a recent drop um, before that was like a terror, it was the echo drop, which was a failed drop because right. the demand just outstripped the, the supply outstripped the demand and right. or whatever, and it crashed our servers before that was the terror drop and then mega drop. And then there was one before that, that was like in the, at three in the morning, our time, um, that was super early. So I got in like a week before that. So it was, it was, it was pretty early in the game where you could get a Z one for a little less than ten thousand dollars, 
um, for and we'll get into what that what that means. But right, right. now, you can, you can't really get a Z1 for less than fifty thousand dollars. Crazy. All right, so so we need to take a quick time out here for the for the uninitiated who have no idea what we're talking about when, <laughs> yeah. when you mention things like Z1. So just spend a couple minutes and mm -hmm. and basically describe Z Run to those who literally don't know about it best you yeah. can. No, absolutely. So. Zed Run is an NFT horse racing game on the Ethereum blockchain. When we say blockchain, all we mean is it's running on a ledger where every transaction and every impact is um, completely, completely decentralized and it's transparent. So you can see exactly what's going on um, from, a, from a purchasing perspective. But the NFT racing portion of it is exciting. It's kind of a thought, we're a thought leader in that position because we pioneered the first breathing NFT. And when I say that, I mean a breathing NFT, it's, it's a non-fungible token, just like anything else. It's a non-duplicative asset. But with this asset, it's yield bearing because it can bring an offspring into this world. So it has a unique DNA genetic sequence that's tokenized on the blockchain. So it's, it's a complete one of one, no horse is the same, just like in real life. And then it has a breeding capability where you're able to Put your horse up for stud, um, which basically just means, you know, charge someone to mate with your horse if you have, you know, if, if, if that's what you want to do. And then from that, it can generate a completely unique offspring. Now, in the Zed Run universe, you can buy, sell, trade, and breed your horses. So you can race your horse. That's one stream of income. It's a modest entry fee, and you can get, you know, a return if your horse wins that race. There's a number of different races your horse can run. And you may be wondering to yourself right now, okay, what is this guy talking about? Breathing NFTs, you have offsprings being generated, but ultimately it really boils down to, you know, understanding that no horse is unique and it's up for, to the owner, or we should say the trainer to learn your horse, right? That's part of the discovery and fun of it. So you go, you get yourself a horse, and you're like, well, how do I know what it's good at? How do I get better at running it? Um, you can't train your horse like a Pokemon, where it's like the more you run it, the better it gets. You have to learn your horse. There's a number of different races it can run, depending on if it's 1,000 meters to 2,600 meters. And there's data you can pull to see where your horse is breaking, who is it racing best against, and what type of conditions are maximizing your return when it comes to your horse placing first, second, or third in races. So that's kind of, you know, the ability to discover what your horse is good at through third-party tools and data analytics and really just sitting there and understanding where your horse is breaking is super fun. And then beyond that, building a stable around kind of choosing where to breed, when to breed, when to sell, buying and selling your horses is also pretty exhilarating. So that's kind of the elevator pitch of like what Zed Run is. I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll answer a bevy of questions that go along with what it means to operate a horse in the quote-unquote metaverse. But, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of uh, Zed Run in a nutshell. Okay, well, I will open this up even to Joe for questions because I'm, I'm sure he's, uh, he's got a bunch, but I'll start with the first one. Yeah. Talk about the commerce side, because I think the part of this mm -hmm. that is both confusing and intimidating to people is that based on the Ethereum blockchain, I think we know what that means, but a lot of people may say, wait, so I can't use a credit card. Like right. an NBA Top Shot, as you know, you can use yeah. a credit card through Dapper mm -hmm. Labs. Um, in this case, you do need ether to play, to buy, or mm -hmm. to race, or whatever, and that presents a whole new set of 
challenges, shall we say, uh, friction points, I, I would say, um, that having witnessed them firsthand are pretty intense and off-putting for what I would call casual uh, potential players. So, right. so talk about that as it relates to getting the ether and using the ether. Like, so for example, I have ether on Robinhood, which is not transferable for right. market usage, as you probably know. Mm -hmm. But if you have it through Coinbase or something else, you can then put it into a wallet to use on Zed Run. So I don't want to geek out on this point, but it's, I think everybody needs a little bit of explanation on that. Yeah, no, it's an important question. So to purchase the horses and to, to kind of have access to this entire kind of budding NFT ecosystem, a lot of it is based in Ethereum, which basically means that it's operating on a blockchain, a layer two kind of operating system that allows us to deploy these algorithms and have these breathing NFTs. But all that really, really means is, you know, it means you're in early. So congratulations. If you're listening to the podcast and you're using Ethereum to buy your horses, you are in early because ultimately the reason that's in place is because the community that we are attracting is a crypto crowd. So typically they're crypto literate in what they're kind of getting at, right? Our funnel will expand to include Circle as the third party provider that does Dapper Labs. So basically you can input your Visa credit card and get it. And um, that could be on the roadmap for us to open up the, uh, the funnel for new users. There are no doubt friction points. I mean, you can imagine my dad wants a horse. My poor grandma is trying to understand what the hell is going on. So and we, I'm like, okay, let's try to get you guys a horse. But um, the reason why is it's a crypto native project, number one. And number two, it's growing at the speed of light right now, where actually the demand, if we had opened up to credit cards, including, yeah, would be, yeah. it's, we're already getting leveled with people who take the time with the friction points. And as we scale and raise money, and I will, we'll get into all that, 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 those friction points will be dialed down to a science to really kind of, for lack of a better term, lubricate the process of, you know, funnel spectator into breeder into stable owner. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for, for those who, you know, are, are, are hesitant because they don't quite understand blockchain, Ethereum, sometimes taking that extra 10 minutes to work through what it means, because ultimately you create a wallet and you buy some cryptocurrency and you're set, can really get you in on some of the newer projects a little bit earlier than the general kind of casual uh, participant. Mm -hmm. um, Roman, we, we talked about the, the mysterious guys in Oz who run the company. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What's their background? How did this come about? This is not something that kind of just fell out of the sky. Right. And then the other piece that I wanted to ask is the audience right now. How many people are actually involved? What is kind of the demo uh, of those groups? So how did we get here and who are the people who are involved? Yeah, so in 2018, uh, we were founded by Chris Laurent and Rob Saha, who are um, the founders, along with our uh, design founder or creative director, Chris Ebling, and then our development CTO, uh, Jeff Wellman, who are all based in Australia. Now, Chris is kind of the visionary behind the project in terms of it was his kind of idea along with Rob to, you know, let me back up a little bit. In Australia, horse racing is massive. It is like a way of life. There's... Um, you know, bloodstock farms littered around the country. There are, um, you know. But, huge, but you're talking about traditional horse racing. Like traditional horse racing, racing. absolutely. Right. So no, but like just to lay the framework of where their minds were because Rob, um, Chris had worked in, in kind of 
the arena that involved gambling and horse racing and understood behavior behind um, some of the uh, punters, as they're called, mm -hmm. um, just the betters involved. And he also saw this emerging technology on the blockchain and um, Rob as well. They understood kind of where technology was going. And this was in 2018. So they began to build a framework and ended up selling horses before there was even a game out. They were like, listen, these are NFT horses in like 2018. They were making, they were eating like Vegemite and toast um, while people <laughs> bought a bunch of these horses and were making more money than the founders at the time. So the horses were increasing in value. They owned nothing. And then ultimately they came out of the game and, and obviously the process began where now we have Zed Run. Um, you know, the ecosystem was growing. But to have a project in 2018 that's beginning to be, be built on the Ethereum blockchain, it puts us as a platform so far ahead of a lot of the platforms that are coming to fruition now because they pushed the envelope. They were the thought leader. And now you have like the early adopters, which is different than the people who are pioneering it, mm -hmm. uh, the space. They have a years of experience ahead in this realm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of who we are or how we began. And then who is using us right now? Who are our demographic? So 18 to 34 male, very, very prevalent, 65% United States based. And then 35, the remaining 35% is international based in, you know, Australia, a large Asian following. The Hong Kong Jockey Club is one of those global um, brands that are, you know, that part of the world is super invested into real world horse racing. And then ultimately uh, littered across the UK and Europe. So we have 100,000 unique wallets that have been created. Um, we've experienced probably like 10x the growth in the last six months. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing, um, ap apologize, I'm in New York City, so there's some hollering sirens. But we we used to, it's perfect. When we used to record on the Columbia campus, every show we ever did had <laughs> yeah. a siren at one point in the background. So we're, we're right at home. So actually well done on your part. <laughs> yeah, that was planned. I have to pay that guy after this. Um, so, but yeah. Um, that's kind of who's using the platform and how we started. You made the bold move of reaching out on Discord. You pitch yourself. You got hired. Amazing. Head of partnerships. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing every day? Like, yeah. who are you partnering with and what have you done and what hey. are you about to do that you can so talk Tom, one, and this is a good segue because Roman found me because I tweeted something about a partnership that he sold, a brand partnership. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That's well, that's a, good, that's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, they brought me on as a head of partnerships. Uh, my day to day is like just, you know, selling, trying to get as many deals to catapult the Zed Run brand into the zeitgeist, into mainstream media. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important kind of, you know, NFTs, there, there is a mystery around blockchain, a mystique, almost like a darkness to what it means to be a part of this part of the web. And I think as we move gradually forward to the future that uh, stereotype will be kind of shaken off because corporate adoption will realize that this is a mechanism for for good and there is so much that can come out of it um so actually i reached out to joe uh because he had shared something about a stella partnership ab and bev um i had been been lucky enough to come into contact with with a woman named Lindsay there who heads their in in uh innovation and ultimately they wanted to do something that was different. They wanted to do something that uh, was impactful in the space. She was native to the space. She kind of was on Twitter in the discord room. She understands it. She was like a torch bearer in like that huge AB and Bev kind of, you know, monolith. So for, 
for me, understanding how we can leverage bigger brands is important instead of just being like, please, like we're begging you, you know, we're, we're this tech company, but we want your brand. Ultimately, what happens is we're able to provide relevance, uh, thought leadership, um, innovation, drive a narrative for these massive companies of being first, being doing it right, being a market validator for them because we have so much pull within the community. You know, a lot of these bigger brands are coming in and they're, they, they say to their, you know, whether it be a celebrity to their agent or an NBA player to their agent or their team being like, hey, a lot of people are making NFTs. My top, you know, my, my, my top shot is selling for 50K. Let's make an NFT. Let's make a bunch of money. And what ends up happening is it's a cash grab. And then, you know, that you can't really enter the space again after that, unless you're super nuanced. So understanding that nuance as the head of partnerships is kind of, I act as a Sherpa or liaison for these bigger brands to understand, all right, here's how you want to penetrate the market. Here's how we're able to uh, kind of form a narrative around that. And then here's how we'll be able to make a lot of money. Um, so my day-to-day -day is just trying to sell that and also, you know, team up with brands that I think are, are awesome. That would be like enrich our community and, and our experience. Okay. So it's a to, to be clear, it's a combination of selling sponsorships, right? Or selling integrations with brands looking to find right. this kind of audience, but also strategic partnerships conceivably with non-brand sponsor type partners exactly to to build the the buzz and 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 the awareness and stuff like that so yeah. so for example are you talking to sports teams or leagues or enter, other entertainment companies or music companies we are talking to everyone uh right now really have, okay yeah cool we job <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well really? that's, a, that's one thing about this space is it's 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 radioactive in the best way. Like it's something that can't be ignored at this point if you're a brand. Um, and if you're, and specifically also the influencers, I mean, we can get into what it means for the music industry, NFTs, so much direct from, you know, artist to fan. And there's mm -hmm. so much that really can be achieved. Obviously VHS, we're a full stack studio. So we could support people's like NFT dreams in a different way than just kind of interjecting them into the Zed Run ecosystem. But, uh, but yeah, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to find epic brands to partner with. I think we, we, we're, we're choosy. We, 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 we've, we've declined some really big brands because we don't feel it's right, but we want to like, you know, we want to shake things up a little bit. So, so walk us through Stella or X brand. I come to you, we want to do a partnership, whatever the dollars are. Yeah. What do I get? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Yeah. So, you know, in the case of Stella, they wanted to do something authentic. They wanted to do something in our ecosystem. They understood our position. So um, basically I wanted to find a way to combine utility from their brand and uh, something we haven't done in our, in our world yet. So we fashioned them a beautiful track. It says the life of Artois that they're trying, a narrative they're trying to push in their own brand awareness of this like elegance. Um, it was in conjunction with the Royal Ascot. So they are a Royal Ascot, for those who don't know, is a, a race in, in England where they dress up like it's 1800. And it's a very high class event that Stella um, sponsors. So there was a window there that it made sense for them to port, partner with a virtual horse racing um, you know, program like we are. Um, yeah, so we basically just did horse skins, horse pieces of art, Stella art pieces that are also NFTs and bundled them together and sold them at auction. And we did... Um, you know, the highest, and this is all public, the highest one sold for 26 Ethereum. Uh, wow. And then, yes, yeah, so that, 
at the time, Ethereum was still trading quite high. Um, so it did clear, I think, six figures. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely an exciting partnership for both them and us, obviously. So so let's just talk about the examples since we talk a lot about the sports biz proper in, in this show. Um, if Joe or I are in our old jobs, show at the Knicks, let's say, and me at the NHL as yeah. a digital guy, and you reach out to us and say, hey, we want to come talk to you guys about opportunities with Zed. Right. We'd, we'd sit in the conference room, you'd go through your deck, how you're founded, your usage, all that. Then there's going to be the page opportunities or potential right. opportunities. What does that look like? Because it would be different than a brand, I would suspect, like Stella. It, it would be it would be different. Um, we would do, I mean, I could just I imagine you're the New York Knicks. I would be okay. like, do the, yeah, do the on. Knicks and Joe could yeah, be your I would, client. Yeah, I would do the Knicks. So I basically start with being like, you know, being the first to enter the space, you know, obviously the NBA top shot has been the title bearer kind of NFT for uh, the NBA. So maybe, you know, I'll use the example of the Yankees perhaps. Um, so if we were pitching the Yankees, we'd be able to format the pitch around them being seen as innovative, them being kind of moving into a space that no one has else an NFT esport, right? Be the first involved in this realm. Now, beyond that, we can offer, um, you know, tournaments and big kind of purse events around um, the all-star game and the home run derby and have different team skins bundled with utility from their brand. So I'll give you an example. While we're running the Yankees classic tournament, which has a bunch of different bigger purses and exciting races for different owners to enter with influencers and celebrities involved streaming qualifiers during the week, championship at night, NFT trophy, a, a Yankees medal if you win it for the winner. Now we'll also, like par in parallel, we'll be running an auction where we have a one of one skin and 30, you know, other Yankee skins paired with classic Yankee memorabilia where we add utility from their brand. So with the skin, we'd all, when I say skin, I mean like a Fortnite skin, something you dress up your horse in. Um, we'd sell this skin with a bundle of two tickets to the World Series or something where we'd add utility from their brand to drive up the price, um, such as a signed bat by, you know, Aaron Judge, um, an NFT version of that bat or cleats. Um, so it's really, you get creative with how you want to um, infuse the elements of their brand that are sexy into your game, because ultimately you don't want to um, squeeze your community and just have be that your be their commute have your community be a vessel for another brand to make money. You want to protect your community and you want to do something that's both kind of exciting but also makes sense. So that's kind of my pitch for the MLB. Um, but yeah, I mean it's definitely something that we're stoked to do. And the custom events are gonna be awesome. And, and and just to be clear, I mean, you could use tangible goods as well as virtual goods so you could actually have a pair of aaron judge cleats hard cleats that he signs just like i think it was the dodgers this week right tom that right. launched something and they're actually putting a world series ring into it um so yeah anything that i would imagine would drive value and the other interesting thing about that let's say you do the yankees this is a space that is global in nature for them to promote their brand because this is not really geo-locked for them to go sell, let's say a 
Pepsi partnership that can only be within 70 miles of New York City. Right. They right. will Obviously. they will draw attention on a global scale for something like this. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, Robin, I know one of the fun parts of stable ownership is when you breed your fillies mm-hmm. and you're able to you get new you get new horses and you can name those horses mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's become a bit of a um an art and yeah. maybe science for some people joe so the idea is that you'd pick something like a meme or some pop culture reference and name your horse like you could conceivably just name a celebrity your a horse after celebrity or make a pun out of it or something like that mm-hmm. um are do you see a point or or maybe you could just explain how that might work with well-known personalities or influencers to have name association or actual uh exact names used for the horses um i mean joe i you know we were we just got some new horses and we literally were on a text thread all of us throwing out ideas for clever funny cool names because that does and correct me if i'm wrong roma that does potentially influence the value of the horse. Like if you got a particularly good name, it's typically worth more, assuming the other characteristics are all right. Um, So we were, you know, like the the, one of the big series this year has been mayor of East Town. And I was like, mayor of Zed Town, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. People try to think of something connected to pop culture. Right. Is that a thing or is that just my imagination? No, that that absolutely, it's so like, it's amazing to see like the community like express themselves because just so people know the Genesis horses are like a collection of horses that are only minted by Zed and like every single other horse will be bred from these Genesis horses. So we as a team named the Genesis horses and then once you um, want to breed the Genesis horses, you uh, you can name the children or, or the offspring. So people are taking these names of horses and treating them like they are our domains. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the example. I mean, the comparison I was going to use actually. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for example, um, I, like I'd mentioned, it's no secret uh, that I was a huge Zed fan before I started. So I still have my stable. Um, and uh, I had an offspring and breeding opened and I named it Banksy. I was like, Banksy is a great name. I'm excited about it. I then checked and I misspelled Banksy. Um, it was Bansky. And I'm like, damn it, because I'm in a text thread with a couple of my buddies. And I'm like, I got Banksy. I got Banksy. And they're like, no, you didn't, dude. You got Banksy. And then one of my friends took the name, of course. That's funny. Yeah. So, but it's become, yeah, it's so fun to name. And I'm, you know, we as a team have fun naming them. We can't, we're not, I, I wasn't involved in the naming process the last couple of times, but it, it, it's still fun to see. Uh, there, there are a couple of Easter egg names. What are, what are the best ones you've seen? You must have a couple of faves. Well, I love the Roman. <laughs> uh, then I also, I like, uh, there's a, there's like a really famous horse in the ecosystem. That's a bred horse named Steph Curry. That's like, a, it's, it's a killer horse on the track. But yeah, funny. I've seen, I've seen that one around. Yeah. 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 It's like a big gem racing. Um, like funny. There's, a, there's so many funny names uh, that are like kind of inappropriate. Um, I think I like, uh, I'm trying to look right now. I like, there's one called Le Horse which is funny as well. Just very simple ones that get me going. Um, and there's some amazing puns in there that I just like can't think of off the top of my head. So, so one other question, and I know we got to let Roman go in a couple of minutes, but um, have you seen any crossover from traditional breeders of, of real live horses? who are saying we want to parallel some of the more successful horses of today or of the past or coming. I mean, I would imagine this appeal appeals to, you know, 
first adopters all across the board who are also in the horse space, like Vinnie Viola and, um, you know, Steve Cohen and, and some of the, you know, the masters of the universe who've actually bought traditional horses. Um, have you seen, has anybody come along and said, I want to make sure that I can parallel path what I'm doing on Zed with a, a real horse racing path that we're having in, in elite horse racing? I think yes. And it's, it's not in the exact way of like mimicking the breeding patterns in Zed to back it up by real horses. It's actually, because the provenance on the black blockchain is so, it's part of the reason, like you can track every single thing, every aspect, right? So that's so important when you're dealing with, uh, you know, breeding, like understanding like the genetics behind the, like the history and so we have seen, and I have had people reach out to me, creating, backing up their horses in a, like a blockchain form. So basically you have the beginnings of, you know, you're almost tracking the ancestry of your entire stable on the blockchain and recreating it so you can track, understand, sell, and move. And you can really see the provenance between like, where am I getting this full from? And you can track and see everything right on the blockchain. That's what I've seen. Beyond that, the parallels to the old, like, I mean, just real world racing. We've ushered a lot of new fans into the horse racing space. And I think that's catching the eye of uh, some of the, some of the big cups and some of the big kind of groups. Uh, and we're definitely, we're in lockstep with them. We respect horse racing. We obviously are fans of horse racing. So to be kind of embraced is very important to us uh, when it comes to that that kind of coliseum. All right, Joe, can I do two more quick business questions before we wrap? Yeah, for sure, of course. Okay, Roman, what's the mobile play here? I know this is the biggest issue. I work for a software company and we're talking to some blockchain companies about mobile applications as a, as a, a better user experience for people who are invested in NFTs. Um, is is what is the what is the mobile play that the consumer market may see? Let's say in twenty twenty two. That's a great question. I think right now there is an AR app on Android. One of the few. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even realize that. Okay. Yes, one of the few perks yeah. of being an Android user <laughs> over yeah. an iPhone user is you get access to the ZAR app. But it'll be coming for iOS as well, which basically you can um, juxtapose your Z Run stable uh, horses, and they're running around there you know, eating day in real life. So you can see how big they are and people have a lot of fun with them. And then I think the entire experience actually exists on mobile right now. So you can go right now and enter races. Oh, just on a browser, on a browser. On a, on a browser, yeah. So it's yeah, a hybrid okay. app. Um, right. Yeah, so, and through MetaMask. Um, mm -hmm. And then I guess through your email as well. But that's something huge, man. So that, that'll definitely be part of the repertoire of Zed kind of, I guess you'd say products that would uh, would be rolling out. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't think most of us even think about, for example, we had a race the other day and I, it wouldn't even have occurred to me to look at it on my phone. I mm -hmm. obviously went to a laptop. Um, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting question in the business because we, you know, we're talking to a bunch of different companies and the user experience, the elimination or reduction of friction, really key. And then most importantly, just mimicking the digital behavior of most of us, which is really oriented to smartphones and exactly. applications. Mm -hmm. So, okay. And then um, this is kind of a big, probably long answer question, but okay. I know we don't have a ton of time left, but maybe you can just 
uh, in a snappy way, summarize a glimpse of the future. Right. So there's been a lot of talk about how this is an example in sports slash culture of a metaverse that let's say more people could relate to because everybody knows about horse racing, whereas a lot of older people don't know, for example, about Fortnite or Roblox or something like that. Exactly. But do you guys consider this um, like a metaverse V1 thing that could grow to be like legit kind of broad-based metaverse experience in a couple of years? I think that you know, what I can say is I can, I, can, I, I can speak to where I think the whole space is going. And I think that when you take the technology that we've been able to pioneer at Virtually Human and you extrapolate that democratization of horse ownership onto team ownership in any major sport from being a general manager or being a team owner, that's something very fun to play with. And then beyond that, you know, the component that involves virtual reality really kind of immersing us in that Ready Player One experience metaverse. I think we'll only really, really get there once Apple and Snapchat tell us it's time um, when they come out with their version of, you know, a disruptive device like the iPhone, where it'll be in the form of an Oculus or, you know, glasses. I think the metaverse that we say and talk about will, the, the, the framework is being laid now Right. Um, but ultimately, it will take those tech leaders to really propel adoption um, from an immersive scale. I think Zed is doing an amazing job. Obviously, we're doing an amazing job. At, and so is Topshop, really kind of proliferating what it means to own an NFT and kind of that, that ownership aspect. But in terms of immersive experience, I think we're, we're, we, we'll be ready when they tell us it's time. I, that's okay. what I think. Mm -hmm. That's sure. But I mean, it will be, it is really interesting to think about where this could go mm -hmm. as the technology platforms uh, evolve and VR becomes more real uh, in a broader marketplace. So I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, and, and Tom, one of the things that Roman and I talked about is kind of in any sport, as long as there's credible data, even if it's of the past, you can recreate a virtual baseball season, softball, you know, any Olympics off that data and put it into this system where people could buy their own teams like, like you do in fantasy. It's, it's a kind of a, yeah. a much uh, elevated level of fantasy, which is kind of cool. One, one of the owners, Roman, in our group it is very technical uh, guy, very, very smart. You would not believe the depths he goes to to analyze stuff for breeding and racing right now i could i in fact i have a screenshot of a spreadsheet that he built that i couldn't even begin to understand personally um that he's using because joe you're absolutely right the amount of data uh, and what's interesting I, I did a little work as a consultant maybe like 10 11 years ago for daily racing form so i learned about the yeah. world of uh, horse racing content and data and i learned i didn't know this that past performance data is probably the single most important a uh, bit of information you can get as a potential better. Uh, so the, uh, what, what's it called, Roman? Like the PP, is this called PP? Past performance data yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, and that when you're looking, Joe, for example, with your racing now, you can look at the performances of all the other horses, <laughs> of your horses, obviously, what's happening competitively, the odds that are published and things like that. So again, I didn't mention this before, but I talked about this being at the intersection of all these major uh, mega trends. The one I forgot to add was data and analytics. It's mm -hmm. kind of amazing. 
Um, For sure. So anyway, it's, it's just so fascinating. Well, I, yeah. I would say this to wrap up this part of the conversation. I would urge everybody who's interested in evolving technologies, even if you're not interested in horse racing per se, to at least check it out because it's a good way to learn about what's happening, both from technology standpoint as an observer and also as a user about how we as consumers might be starting to venture into this world of NFTs and crypto. So anyway, that's cool. my that's my pitch for Zed on this on this yeah. call. Joe, do yeah. you want to wrap us up? Yeah. So so Roman, uh, real quickly, um, two things we'd like to ask people. Like I mentioned at the top, you know, there's a lot of people who come on and listen to this who are changing jobs, sound familiar, uh, looking for their first jobs. We're just trying to kind of figure out what their path will be. Uh, you probably haven't had a lot of people yet, although I'm sure there's some USC people who've come along and maybe people at CAA. What advice do you give to people or what advice should you give to people? And then the other piece is with all the stuff that's going on, how do you stay up to date? What do you read? Where do you go to get your information from? So the advice and how you stay smart on what's going on. Thanks. I, I think my advice would be to tune you know the noise out and listen to your heart and do what you truly want to do and 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 try not to think so much about money and all these different things from your parents or your grandparents whoever it is in your life telling you what the right road is you know try to find what makes you happy uh and then bet on yourself uh and then the second part of your question oh i um i get a newsletter uh called the morning brew or morning brew, uh, yeah, into my, mm -hmm. yeah, into my uh, account. I mean, into my, into my email every every day. So I try to read as much as I can from there. And then um, from an NFT, for those who maybe you know want to sign up for Zed, go on Zed.run. But if you want to keep up to date in the NFT community, Discord has become a really amazing tool for um, people who are creating, people who are um, pioneering some of the new technology. You'll see and. Um, Maybe you can make some money if you get in early on some of these projects, but not financial advice. But yeah. I'll actually add one more thing, Joe, that maybe people would be interested in hearing. I'm sure Roman knows about it. But for those of us that receive morning, typically morning email digests from places like Sportico or Front Office Sports, et cetera, there's a couple in the blockchain world, Blockworks, mm -hmm. the block, Joe, that I now get as I've been doing this for a while. Uh, just morning email synopsis of what's what are the big stories in the world of blockchain or NFTs. Great so, to know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good to know that because it's not like you need to read every article or even or even just go beyond necessarily the above the scroll headlines. But you will see the announcements of the new deals or the big deals, the interesting developments, et cetera. So mm -hmm. that's a cool. good way. Even even if you're not working in the business, to keep up on the latest. Um, all right. Well, man, that was fun, Roman. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was amazing. I'm like yeah. so excited. You know, it goes the Discord message and then maybe the Twitter message to Joe as the number one cold DM on the internet for me. Really? Thank you guys. Yeah, I, mean, I had yeah. such a great time. I appreciate it, guys. No, I thought it was a joke. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was a joke. No, Joe, <laughs> hey, um, you, you um, take all that kind of stuff seriously. We've learned that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, Tom, one last thing. Uh, Roman, how do people find more out about Zedrun and, and how do they follow you as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. So if uh, if you're interested in joining Zedrun or getting yourself a horse, you can go on Zed.run. All the resources are there. It's just very simple. 
ged.run. And then and, br and bring on, your and bring your ether. Yeah, and bring your bring just bring a you know, bring a willingness to learn, uh, yes. admittedly. Right. And then beyond that, um, if you ever need any help or you have questions about really anything, you can DM me on Twitter or follow me at Roman Cerrone. Um, but yeah, thanks again, guys. This was freaking awesome. Cool. That was great. Well, Roman, on behalf of Columbia, thank you. Thanks to our producer Ben Walsh. Ben, appreciate all the good work behind the scenes. Um, Roman, we wish you a lot of luck in this relatively new job and big kudos to the way you got the job and the way you're clearly just crushing it in terms of your ability to tell the story well, to, to be a good evangelist for what they're doing. They're lucky to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That. Well, everybody, please check out Zed. Check out Roman. You'll get smarter in the process of doing that. Um, and then who knows, maybe if you if you direct message show on Twitter, you can be on the podcast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new approach we're taking, Joe. Like whoever can, whoever can get in touch with Joe gets on the show. How, how's that for a plan? That's, that's what we do in the summer. So, All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. Um, we'll see you on the next episode of The Cusp Show.